Welcome to the DM's Pocket Guide, where we discuss the rules, spells, and monsters of Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. Hello! Today we are going to be talking about other combat options, and this is on page 192 and 193 of the Player's Handbook. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as well as uh, attacking and casting a spell, which is what most people know to do on their turn in combat, uh, there are a bunch of other things you can do. Yeah, which we often don't use. <laughs> yeah, I didn't use it for the longest time. was super surprised the first time one of my players pulled one of these on me. <laughs> yeah, you mean you can do something other than hack and slash? Yeah, you can dash. Why don't you get us started? <laughs> uh, yeah, so dashing, uh, what it allows you to do is double your movement speed um, and use that. Uh, so you, if your speed was 30 feet, for example, you could move up to 60 feet on your turn. Um, so any increase or decrease to your speed changes this additional movement by the same amount. So if you have a swim speed, uh, that's going to be affected in the same proportion. It just doubles your speed. Uh, it's not adding a specific number. Um, an interesting thing that we had noted about this is if you're moving over uh, difficult terrain, mm-hmm. which typically halves your speed, but you were to choose to dash over it, those two things should counteract each other and you would be able to move over that difficult terrain at your regular speed, yeah, like so a spider monkey. Yeah, like if you're going over hot coals and you're like, hop, 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 you're not really going that fast, but it's a lot faster than you would normally go. Yeah. That's uh, I think it would also be worth noting, you can move up to 60 feet or whatever your double is. You could also just dash to 35 feet. Like say you want to, you're 35 feet away from a monster and you want to get right up close to it. You can't get there in, in one, normal movement you don't have to dash past it like i feel like that's obvious but just wanted to say yeah you don't have to use it all just like with any movement you can use up to a certain amount yeah uh the second other combat action is disengage uh if you take the disengage action your movement doesn't provoke opportunity attacks for the rest of the turn so this is one that I feel like an utter fool, because <laughs> um, often when I get stuck in combat, I'm just like, well, I'm not going to give them an attack of opportunity, so I'm just here until I maybe die. You were just a big uh, damage sponge. Yeah. Um, and so knowing that this is an option, which also like not just to get away from like dying, but just that feels like a useful skill to have to be like, oh, I just disengage and run away so that someone else can get in close or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the next one on the list is the dodge action. Uh, so you take the dodge action, you focus entirely on avoiding attacks until the start of your next turn. Any attack roll made against you has disadvantage if you can see the attacker. So you can't dodge an invisible creature. You've got to know where it is if you're going to try and like get out of the way of its you attack. You can't dodge if you're hiding behind a pillar with your back to the monster, you can't dodge. Yeah, because I guess you wouldn't see the attack or whatever it is yeah. that's coming. Yeah. Um, you also make dexterity saving throws at advantage, so you are in like such a heightened state mm-hmm. of readiness that uh, you get advantage on, on those saving throws. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you do lose that benefit if you are incapacitated. So if you've taken the dodge action, but then your enemy does something that... Uh, like imposes this condition on you like a grapple or a spell i suppose there could be mm. one that renders you yeah that yeah. incapacitates you uh, so your dodge would no longer be useful if you can't move yeah 
Uh, one of my players used this recently in a way that I was like, oh, that's useful. Um, it was kind of a tight combat situation. Uh, his character couldn't move forward to attack, so he just took the dodge action. So I was like, well, I'm kind of stuck here waiting for my turn to be able to get closer, but in the meantime, I'll make sure that it is unlikely that any of their damage hits me. Which I'm like, oh, that makes sense. That's super smart. Yeah. The next one is help. You can lend your aid to another creature in the completion of a task. When you take the help action, the creature you aid gains advantage on the next ability check it makes to perform the task you are helping with, provided that it makes the check before the start of your next turn. Yeah. I don't know if this is the case for you, but that sentence was hard to parse out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there is a kind of a lot here. Uh, Essentially, I don't think I've ever seen this used in combat Mm. uh, for this purpose, for an ability check, Mm -hmm. but I definitely see players using it outside of combat. They want to lend their aid to um, to another player on an ability check. Yeah. So that's where I see this most commonly, because it's an action in combat, why wouldn't you have it as an action out of combat? Yeah, that's true. And it's kind of nice that like promotes players working together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the second part of the help action is in combat. Uh, alternatively, you can aid a friendly creature in attacking a creature within five feet of you. You faint, distract the target, or in some other way team up to make your ally's attack more effective. If your ally attacks the target before your next turn, the first attack roll is made with advantage. Yeah, so this one, uh, a key thing to note on this one is it's your, you have to be within five feet. So you're like up in the uh, monster's face, waving your arms and, and drawing its attention. The attacker, your person that you're trying to aid, uh, doesn't have to be within five feet. They can be across the room shooting an arrow. It's your act of um, interference, essentially, is the is the, the thing there. I picture this, even though it's probably not the five feet rule, I picture this as like Mary and Pippin distracting the orcs to so that Frodo and Sam can get away. Mm-hmm. Or Frodo, I guess, at that point. So the orcs are like, hunting Frodo down and Mary and Pippin, uh, help! <laughs> and distract the orcs. Uh, so that Frodo didn't attack. I guess it kind of falls apart pretty quickly. Um, but it's that general idea. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. You've got the, the right sort of idea with that. Yeah. Uh, drawing attention piece, at least. <laughs> okay. The next action is hide. Uh, and hide has a lot of caveats to it. Um, it actually has so many caveats, I think it probably deserves to be its own episode. Almost like it's hiding from this episode. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. It's uh, passed its dexterity stealth check mm-hmm. uh, in attempt to hide from us. And uh, it follows the rules in Chapter 7 for hiding. So Which we haven't read yet, so yeah. let's do that. <laughs> we'll read Chapter 7 and get back to you with a whole separate episode on how to hide in D&D. Thanks for listening. If you have something you'd like us to cover, email it to rawcatreads at gmail.com or find us on Twitter and Instagram at rawcatreads. <laughs>